0: Hello, welcome to the podcast at Chesbro Baptist Church. We're continuing in our Sunday morning series entitled Avoiding Confusion. This morning, we're going to discuss something that is with a lot of confusion in our society today. The existence of God. Please enjoy. All right, take your Bibles and turn to uh, two separate passages this morning. First, turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Hold your place there. And then turn over to Romans chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And then hold your place. And then turn over to Romans chapter 1. We're going uh, through a new series on Sunday mornings, called Avoiding Confusion. The, I, I, I said this last week, no word defines what our society is going through in America like confusion. We are a confused nation. We're a confused culture. We're a confused society. And we have got to get some clarity from the Word of God because God is not the author of confusion, okay? And uh, He is going to show us, show us how to not be confused and help us make sense of some things. So if you have your places marked in your Bible, I'm going to ask you, one last time if you're physically able, please stand in respect and reverence to the word of God. Genesis one and verse one: "In the beginning, God." created the heaven and the earth. Skip over to Romans chapter 1 and verse number 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image like to corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. The title of the message this morning is The Existence of God, The Existence of God. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, once again, we come to you this morning and pray that you would clear our hearts and minds as we open the Word of God, dive into the words in these pages, Lord, and learn from you the truths that you have conveyed to us through the corridors of time. Lord, I pray that we would be open and receptive to the Word of God and that we'd be a witness to a lost and dying world of these truths. Thank you for all you've done for us. In Jesus Christ's precious name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. There's a lot of confusion today about some very important issues. Issues ranging from God's existence to the origin of life. What is truth? What is justice? We're going to talk about a very important, very tremendous topic this morning. We're going to talk about the very existence of God. The very existence of God. Because listen, if there is no God, then all of the behavior that we see in society today is justifiable. If there is no God. Perhaps you've been driving down the road and you see on the back of a bumper you see a bumper sticker on the back of a car, and this bumper sticker says coexist. But it doesn't just say coexist. Every letter in the word is a symbol of another religion. You notice this, have you seen this bumper sticker? Okay. Let me say, first of all, that America is a land of religious freedom. Aren't you thankful for that today? Aren't you thankful that we as Americans, we have religious freedom and we can worship God how we see fit. And the king or the president or the government can't tell us or another church organization can't tell us how to worship God. We can read the Bible and study the Bible and we can know how God wants us to worship and we can worship God how we see fit. I'm thankful that we live in a country like that today. However, there is a subtle message behind that sticker, is there not? There's a subtle message. And you know what that message is implying? That message is implying that all the symbols of those religions are equally authoritative, that they all have the same equal authority. And the implication is, whether you're a Wiccan, whether you believe in Taoism, or Christianity, or Buddhism, or Islam, or Hinduism, or whatever you would, that all of those things are equally authoritative. But of course, me and you as Bible-believing Christians, we know that there is a name above every name, and that is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that. You see, the thing is today is you can go to the graves of all the founders of those religions and dig up those graves and what you will find in those graves is bones. But there's a garden tomb outside of Jerusalem that is empty this morning because my Savior is risen again. So they are not all equally authoritative. But that's what it's implying. I read Genesis one this morning because I want to show you one thing right at the very beginning of the Bible is that the God that the, the Bible begins with a declarative statement about God in the beginning God. Have you ever noticed that the Bible does not try to convince you that there is a God? The Bible just assumes it. the Bible just assumes that God exists. It does not try to convince you that God exists. It just assumes that God exists. And I've I've never read a a book by, and and the book starts out in the beginning trying to convince you that the author exists. I've never, never read a book like that. Usually you write a book, it's assumed that you exist, okay? There's a document out. It's called the Humanist Manifesto. Most of the leaders of all the anarchist organizations doing damage around our country right now, their leaders have signed the Humanist Manifesto. Many of their members have signed the Humanist Manifesto, and without going into too much detail about it, I can tell you what its motto is and what its theme is. The motto and theme of this of this marxist humanistic uh manifesto is this: We are good without God. We are good without God. Do you know why these people say? that they are good without God? Do you want to know that? They say that they are good without God because without God there is no final authority. If there is no final authority, then there is no judgment day. And if there is no judgment day, then I can live however I want to live. That's why they are good without God. Did you know that one third of all Americans aged 35 and younger? One third. Say that either there is no God, or there's no, if there is a God, there's no way you can know him. So one third of all Americans, 35 and under, are either atheist or agnostic. In America. It's appalling. It's a far cry from where our country once was. And that's why we're addressing this. That's why we're talking about this. What I want to do is I want to show you this morning three revelations in Romans chapter 1 about the existence of God. Three revelations in Romans chapter 1 about the existence of God. I'm going to jump right into it this morning. Revelation number one is we have an inward revelation. We have an inward revelation. God will show himself to anyone who will, who's willing to examine themselves honestly. The 1st subpoint under inward revelation is something that is called innate truth. Innate truth. What is innate truth? Did you know that God built into every single human being ever born the knowledge that God exists? Every single one, every man, every woman, every child, every human ever born on this planet, no matter what time they were born, what year they were born, what country, what religion they were born under, it doesn't matter. They were all born with the truth that God exists. Let's look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in righteousness. We know God is righteous or just instinctively. We know that. We know that um, because we, we try to hide our evil deeds. Man would not try to hide our evil deeds if we didn't know that instinctively. But because there is a God and because we know instinctively there is a God, we know that that God is righteous and we know that we are unrighteousness. So we wouldn't know we were unrighteous if it wasn't for God. But here's my thing. Why is God so mad at us? I mean, yeah, we're unrighteous. Yeah, we're sinful. But what if a human just doesn't know any better? I mean, if a... Uh, an infant were to take a rattle and beam you in the head with it really hard, and it really, really hurts, do you blame the infant? No, because the infant doesn't know what he's doing. And how can God get mad at us for being unrighteous and sinful when we don't know any better? Well, verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Do you want to know why God's wrath is so kindled against people that reject him? Because he put in them the knowledge that he exists. Because that which may be known of God is manifest to them. To every man and woman ever born is implanted this truth that there is a God. And this is called innate truth. God built into every person the knowledge that he exists. Uh, Now man does not always worship the true God. This doesn't mean that man will always worship the true God. But there is something in every single person that, that knows that there is a God. So what does this mean? This means that atheism is not natural. It is not natural to be an atheist. The reason you are an atheist is because, one, you were fed lies concerning God, or two, you were hurt... And because you were hurt, something happened in your life, so you've chosen not to believe in God, but atheism is not natural. It's not normal to deny the existence of God. To deny the existence of God is a deliberate decision. The Bible says, because that which may be known of God. What is known of God? The fact that He is righteous and we are unrighteous. That's what's known. If we know there's a God, then we know that He is law-loving. We know He is perfect and righteous and that we are not. Did you know you came from the factory with some default settings? Did you know that? Before, Before the Windows of Salvation is uploaded on your hard drive, you've got an operating DOS system. That is just, it's blank, but it's just a little operating system. And you came from the factory with some default settings. One of the things you came from the factory with, every person comes from the factory with this, is a basic moral code. Every person. In Galatians 4, Paul calls it the weak and beggarly elements. And what that is, is that's just the basic principles of right and wrong that you were born with. Other places in the Bible, it's called a conscience. Every person is born with these basic principles of right and wrong, a conscience. And, you know, it's what the world calls karma. You ever hear that word, that term karma? Karma is this idea that you get what you deserve, Oh, look what happened to you. You must have deserved that. You get what you deserve. The world calls this karma. Now, Christ comes along eventually in your life and says, if you believe in me, you won't get what you deserve. And that is, uh, that's the reason why Christ says that. And that's the, reason, that's the reason why we're uploaded with this in the very beginning. Another thing you get as a default setting is you get the knowledge of the existence of God. With that comes the knowledge that God is loving, and God provides everything we need for our lives. You look through all of human history, people have tried to know God. They've tried to know God. They've tried to worship God. We, you know, of course we come with that default setting or else we would not try to do that. So when a person rejects this revelation of God, when they reject this revelation of God, then they have to create for themselves a new God. They have to create for themselves a God that will allow them to do whatever they want to do. This is atheism. This is false religions. This is idol worship. And what does verse 20 say about these people? They are without excuse. There's no excuse. When you imagine a system that has no need for a creator, you have no excuse They're without excuse when you choose evolution over creator. Oh, but what about the evidence? I was taught that in school. It doesn't matter. You are without excuse. No, we have the Big Bang, not a creator. You are without excuse. Every system that excludes a creator is chosen by that individual and is reinforced by the world system. Next, we have a unique intellect. Verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Why do I even have that option in the first place? Why do I even have the option not to choose God? Doesn't make sense to me. If God wanted everybody to choose God, then he should have just made everybody to choose God. Oh, well, that would be creating a civilization of robots, actually. Why do I even have the option not to choose God? I'll tell you why. Because me and you were given a little something called free will. We were given free will. We have a moral free will that God created in me. Okay? Why? Why do I have a free will? Why is that created in me? Well, I'll tell you why. It's the same reason why me and you are different than every other animal on the planet. Because we were created in the image of God. That's why we have a free will. And why every other other animal on the planet doesn't. Genesis 1.26, and God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let him rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky. And the cattle. You have a free will because you were made in the image and likeness of God. And the ability to make moral judgments is a part of the image of God that we are like. So that's where our free will comes from. From the fact that we are made in the image of God. Next is moral intellect. We've already talked about this. We are born with a default setting of right and wrong programmed in us. God gave us from the factory a sense of right and wrong, good and evil in each person. Have you ever noticed that most most cultures in most countries around the world agree that murder is wrong? Have you noticed this? That this isn't just Christian countries that believe that, but for the most part, other country, you know, for the most part, other countries do too. Other cultures and other societies. For the most part, humans have always agreed that murder is wrong. Have you noticed that for the most part some people agree that when you work for something, you should have control over that thing because you worked for it? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed also that 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 humans Uh, uh, for the most part, no matter where they come from, no matter what country they're from or where they grew up, put less value on the same things? Have you noticed that? Me and you are not going to have a big theological discussion this morning about the moral implications of stepping on a spider. Okay, I picked up the water bowl yesterday, and the spider was that big. I crushed that joker. We're not going to have some moral, uh, some moral uh, theological discussion on the implications of crushing a spider. That is that's not going to happen. Why? Because we value things about the same across the board. Humans do. Air, water is cheap. Why? Because it's plentiful. Most cultures agree that murder is wrong. Most cultures agree that stealing is wrong. Most cultures agree that destruction with no reason is wrong. No society can last without laws. No society can last without laws and have order within itself. So what does this mean? You mean not just the Christian countries believe this stuff too? Well, the Bible talks about that. The Bible talks that in Romans 2, verse 14 and 15. Let me read that to you. Listen to this. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, listen to this, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness. Their thoughts the thoughts mean while accusing or else excusing one another. So why do lost people do the things contained in the law? Because every person is born with the law written in their hearts. The pagan philosophers of Paul's day called this the unwritten law. And it is the law that guides men and points them in the right way. The verse says their conscience also bearing witness. You see, people that have never heard the truth of God, they still have a moral compass that they're accountable to. It's their conscience. But listen, don't solely rely on just your conscience. Don't solely rely on that because your conscience can steer you wrong. It certainly can. 1 John 3.20 says, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. So just because you have a conscience doesn't mean it's always right, okay? If it goes against God, you need to go with God because God is greater. Now under unique intellect, we have moral will, we have a moral intelligence, and then we have a moral purpose. Yes, I have a free will, and with that free will, I can put myself into the plan of God. I can either accept the plan of God for my life, or I can reject the plan of God for my life. Brother Brett, what's the plan of God? Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work in the judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. You know, pagan philosophers have mused and thought for years What is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? Why are we here? Modern day philosophers muse and think and and pontificate over this same question. What is the meaning of life? Why are we here? What is our purpose? When the, the answer is contained in the word of God. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man but these smart people with all these degrees and all this all this intellectual speak they reject that they reject god they reject fear god and keep his commandments why because they're too smart for that they're too smart i'm too smart to believe in God. I'm too smart to believe that I, that God created everything and I'm supposed to live for him. But what does the Bible say about those people? Does the Bible say that they're smart? Psalms 14:1 says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God, the fool. They are corrupt they have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. You see, rejecting God does not make you smarter. Rejecting God makes you a fool. You're a fool for rejecting everything that God has given you inwardly to point you towards him while at the same time re- retaining your free will. See, God did everything He could do. He put everything inside of you when you were born that He possibly could to point you to Him, but He still had to give you a free will because it has to be your choice. And when you reject that inward revelation that there is a God because everybody was born with it, when you reject that, you become a fool because the law is written on the heart of every man. There is an inner witness born inside every poor person. I was thinking about your friend. Could be anybody. I didn't want anybody, sorry. Um, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But I was thinking about um, people who just are mad at God and reject God, and they don't even want to hear you think about God. Did you know they have an inner witness inside of them? They were born with someone, with, a, with, with something inside of them that points them to God. And even though they may put on this front, they don't want anything to do with God, there's still something inside of them pointing them to Christ. There's an inner witness inside of every person. So what does that mean? It means they're without excuse. Oh, Brother Brett, what about the tribes people down in South Africa? We'll talk about that in a minute. Number two, out we have an we have an inward revelation. And number two, we have an outward revelation. Verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. We have the revelation of cause. Did you know that every effect has to have an adequate cause? And what I mean by that is an effect has to have a greater cause than the effect. Because of loss of energy, okay? The the effect has to be, the the cause has to be greater than the effect. Something like the universe is so massively big. It's so massively big. It's so endlessly big that, um, you know, it has to have, the cause of the universe has to be bigger than the universe. Are you following my line of thinking here? The universe is a cause that is so massively big and almost seemingly endless that the effect that caused the universe has to be greater than the universe. You following my my thinking there? If I started with an apple seed, where did this apple seed come from? The apple. Where did the apple come from? The apple tree. And you just keep going back and back and back and back and trace it all the way back to the first cause. God is the uncaused first cause. He is the uncaused first cause. If every effect has a cause, what cause is bigger than the universe? God. God is bigger than the universe. Whatever caused the universe has to be greater than the universe. And God in himself is self-existent. He is eternally self-existent and has no cause. Next we have the revelation of creation. The creation of the world is clearly seen. Man, have you ever just noticed the the handprints of, of God all over creation? And just the beauty of God's creation this morning. Man, I can just remember last year when we went to the mountains and we just looked at Looked at all the majestic mountains and, and and looked at the smoke coming out of the smoky mountains and all the trees and, and the leaves changing and, and just saw the beauty and grandeur of this creation that God has created. And may I say to you this morning that His signature is all over creation. Whether you're looking at the Grand Canyon or the Rocky Mountains or the Swiss Alps or the great, vast, big Pacific Ocean, God's fingerprint is Is all over creation. It causes us to recognize that there is a power that's greater than an accident. There's a power that is greater than human ingenuity. And we see that this creation has order, it's finely tuned. You know what God created means? It means he brought into existence something that previously did not exist. Oh, and the scientist theories, modern day theories of where we came from can't do that. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 1440, let all things be done decently and in order. God has an order. God has a plan. Psalms 119:89 forever o lord thy word is settled in heaven by the way how many of you are thankful for that forever o lord that his word is settled in heaven why is it settled in heaven forever because god is a god of order creation shows a designer design demands a designer I often use this illustration when I talk about uh, evolutionist theory. And when I say evolutionist theory, I not only mean evolution, but I also mean the Big Bang. Okay? When I talk about evolutionist theory, I often say this, that it's like a letter factory blew up and a Webster's Dictionary fell out of the sky. That's about how they explain it. But let me give you an illustration that's, that's more plausible but you'll see that even though it's more plausible, it's not any more probable. Let's say I had a box and inside of this box I put all the makings of a watch. I put the gears, the springs, the face, the hands, the minute hand, the hour hand, the second hand. I put the front and the back and the glass and the wristband. I put all the parts inside this box. To, uh, to, uh, to you know for a watch. I close the box and I give it to McKenna and I say, McKenna, I want you to shake this box. And for hours he stands there and he shakes. And he shakes and he turns and he throws it in the air and he shakes it and he shakes it. And I come back hours and days later, this whole time he's been shaking that box. And I say, McKenna, how long have you been shaking the box? Oh, I've been shaking the box for days, Brother Brett. And I take the box and I open the box and inside the box will not be a put together rolex it won't happen but that's kind of what our brilliant so-called scientists say happen that all the order of our universe happened by an explosion a a, a big a big bang a big a big explosion a boom and then all of a sudden There were the planets and there was the earth and they were circling in just the right spot and all the galaxies are circling each other. Oh, it just all happened by a big explosion. What we're saying this morning is that creation shows a designer. A design shows a designer. If it had a beginning, it had a beginninger. And you can see God in his creation. Psalms 19.1 And the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech, no language where their voice is not heard. Isn't that interesting? So So why does the Bible say in verse 20 that they are without excuse? I'll tell you why it says they're without excuse. Because they have an inward revelation. They were born with the knowledge of God inside of them. They were born with the law of God written in their hearts. They were born with the knowledge that He is righteous and loving and that we are are not so. And and we are are born with a desire to know God. That's why they're without excuse. Another reason why they're without excuse is because of the outward revelation. Because you can't look at the order of our universe. You can't look at the order of our people planet, the order of our bodies, and the molecular structure of our skin, and you can't look at all this and say that there's not a designer, and was all some big, happy accident. The beauty and the grandeur around our perfectly fine-tuned design demands a designer. That's why they're without excuse. But there's another reason why they're without excuse. Because not only do we have an inward revelation, we have an outward revelation, but we also have a historical revelation, a historical revelation. Verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. I want you to notice again in verse 21, it says, because When they knew God. You know, sometimes you witness to people or you're talking to people and they'll say something like this. I can't believe in a God that would send somebody to hell that never knew him, that never heard. Well, that never heard of him. I can't believe in a God that would do that, that would send somebody to hell who's never heard of God? Well, I would like to say two things. One, we just read where they have an inward revelation. Every person has an inward revelation of the existence of God. And that doesn't matter if you were born in Bible Belt USA or if you were born in South America jungle. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody has an inward revelation of God. Put that aside. Did you know... That there were at least two times in human history where the whole, their, every person on the whole planet knew the plan of God and followed it. Two, we know of at least two times in human history when that happened. One was Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, they walked with God. They saw God. They walked with God in the cool of the day. Man, I'd like to do that. I'd like to take a stroll with God. And God had given them all these things that had laid out and everything was going perfect. And then what happened? Even though they knew God and they walked with God and they saw God, they ended up rejecting God. They rejected Him. When you know when the other time was, it was in the day of Noah. Noah and and the Bible says that men where their thoughts were evil continually and and it was time to uh it was it was time to flood the earth and everybody had rejected God and things were just getting worse and worse and God came to Noah and said Noah I need you to build a boat and so Noah built a boat and for 120 years he built that boat and when he wasn't building that boat he was preaching to people and preaching repentance and turn back to God But after 120 years of preaching, it came time for them to get on the boat, and Noah, who is a human savior of the human race, who is a picture of Jesus Christ, brought seven souls on that ark, and it rained, and when it was over, those eight people got off that ark, and all eight of them were in the plan of God. But you know what? It did not take very long for the sinful habits of man... To come up again and there was rejection of God even in Noah's own family and the fact is brother and sister the fact is is that God has revealed himself to man over and over and over again and man has rejected God over and over and over and that is not God's fault That is not God's fault that we have rejected him. I mean, think about the Greeks and the Romans. The Greeks, Romans, their idolatry and their persecution of the church. But you can go back even further to the days of Noah. I think about Noah's dad, Lamech. You know, Lamech walked with Adam. He knew Adam he, he talked with Adam, and so did a lot of the other the anti-diluvian families, which just means pre-flood families. They walked with Adam, the first man. They could hear his testimony directly. The Bible says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Even though God had revealed himself, they still rejected God revealed himself to Adam and Eve and they rejected him. God revealed himself to all the people before the flood and they rejected him. God revealed himself in Noah's family and eventually there were those in Noah's family that rejected God. And then you go on down the corridors of time to Israel. And over and over and over through the word of God we see that Israel is told and warned of God you better watch out for idol worship I'm telling you you better get those Canaanites out of there you better watch out for that Baal worship and over and over again God revealed himself through the the prophets and God revealed himself through the kings and God revealed himself through the miracles and at the end of the day Israel over and over would reject God and would reject God and would reject God the book of Judges is just one big long rejection of God until one day God broke them up and sold them into captivity because they rejected God see we want to put the blame back on God God how dare you send that person to hell he never heard of you God said, I've done everything to reveal myself to the human race. And the human race keeps rejecting me. And don't think it's just in the past. It's in the present, too. This country is rejecting God today. Let me tell you something. A judgment day is coming. You mark it down. Our only hope for America today is to turn back to God. Everywhere on our planet today, people are turning away from God. And this is most clearly seen when men murder each other, killing someone made in God's image, which includes an unborn baby. There are too many other examples to cite. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and destruction. When I see a, a nation or a people deny God, have no fear of God, openly say that there is no God, man, I get discouraged. But you know what encourages me? What encourages me is when I see a nation or I see a people say the name of my my Lord Jesus Christ. What encourages me is when you have these thousands of people in D.C. come together in prayer, and Franklin Graham stands up in the middle of that and grabs a microphone and prays. And in, the, in, in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., with, with thousands of people in attendance, all, all, all the TV uh, cameras that would cover it pointing that way. And Franklin Graham prays at our nation's capital in the name of Jesus Christ. He didn't say God. He said, in Jesus' name, that's encouraging. People do fear the Lord. Let me read you a quote from G.K. Chesterton. When men choose not to believe in God, they do not thereafter believe in nothing they then become capable of believing in anything. And do you know why people today turn to Eastern meditation? Do you know why people today start worshiping gemstones and rocks? And why people turn to satanic cults? And why people turn to Wiccans and become witches? And do you know why that is? Because their heart is hardened by Almighty God. We see it in past cultures and we see it today. So... I'm going to end today with this question. This this question is what I'm going to end with. Here's the question. What happens when a nation rejects belief in God? What happens? Well, number one, God turns away from them. Romans 1.24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their hearts. Verse 26, For this cause God gave them up Unto vile affections, verse 28, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. God will give you up. I don't know when that point comes in an individual's life when God gives, them, gives up on them. It doesn't sound good. I don't know when it is in a nation's life when God gives up on them. I just know that without repentance it will come. It's coming. Let me tell you today there will be a day of accounting. There will be a day of accounting. And I want to say to you today and say to everybody listening online today, I want to say to you that there is no hope in atheism because they are without excuse according to God's Word. There's an inner revelation. There's an outer revelation. There's a historical revelation. And these revelations are telling you, you're wrong about God. You're wrong about life. You're wrong about eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9 is still in the Bible. And it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. But you see, God still loves anybody who's willing to turn to him. uh, Hebrews 11.6 But without faith, it it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There is a God, and that God loves you. There is a God that spoke this world into into existence. Yes, He is a God that will judge. He is a God of eternal wrath. But he's also a God that loves. And he's a God that gave you an escape. He's a God that will give you a home in heaven. God does not want anybody to perish. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What a loving God we serve today friend are you in god's heart today the great creative powerful god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life what a wonderful god we serve today if you don't know him i would like to encourage you to come to him this morning Come to his forgiving son. Find redemption and blood that was shed through the power of resurrection. Come to God today. And if you claim to be a Christian, but you've been marching to the beat of the world's drum, it's time to come back to the Bible. It's time to get a biblical worldview how you avoid the confusion in our culture is getting in the Word of God. Every hip bowed, every eye closed. Once again, if you're in here today and you don't know 100% that if you died today, you'd go to heaven, you can know that for sure. If that's you in here today, when the invitation plays, if you'll come down to this altar, we'll take a Bible and we'll show you how you can know that you're on your way to heaven. You don't have to leave wondering today. Maybe you're in here today and you are a believer and you are saved and you do have Jesus in your life, but you've been marching to the beat of the world's drum. You've been looking at this world through a worldly viewpoint instead of a godly viewpoint, and it skewed your vision to what is the plan of God and what isn't the plan of God. And what I'd like for you to do is to dump a worldly view and come back to a biblical worldview. It happens all the time. Christians are so indoctrinated by the world, that they start looking at the world through worldly secular glasses when they should be looking at the world through the Word of God. It's time today to get back a biblical worldview. We're going to pray, and then we'll stand, and our invitation will begin.